here we are today, another Sunday that we can join together and worship our Almighty God, sing praises and hymns to Him, to fellowship here together and to share the Lord's table, and it's all good. It's all great, actually. But as you might remember, over the last few weeks, Harold has been doing kind of a series in the book of 1 Timothy. And last week he asked me uh, to preach for him, and I told him I was glad to do that. And he said, well, would you just continue the series in 1 Timothy? That way we'll kind of stay on track. And I said, sure. And he said, or you can do something totally different. And I thought, no, let's just continue with 1 Timothy. Um, There's always good stuff to read and to learn and to ponder and think about in any of these books in our Bible. But today uh, we will continue with the book of 1 Timothy. And we're going to be in chapter 5 today, mostly. But if you'll remember just kind of a brief recap of Where we've come so far over the last few weeks in 1 Timothy, in chapter 1, it talks about the Apostle Paul trying to prepare his, uh, his young minister, Timothy, on how to go about different things. Because Timothy is a young man, not very worldly yet, he has a little bit of experience with the word and preaching and so on and so forth, and Paul being the good mentor or daddy figure, if you will, is trying to make sure that he is successful in his ministry, which is a good thing. But anyway, in chapter 1, Paul talked about uh, the loving words to Timothy and about Timothy as Paul prepares to leave Timothy and go to Macedonia. He encourages Timothy to remain in Ephesus and to continue to instruct the men of the church there to shy away from strange teachings and different doctrines and stay in the truth. Pure and simple. Don't get off track. In chapter 2, Paul instructs uh, Timothy to pray for all men, always, not just those in the church, but for all men, and emphasizes the power of prayer. And that's a good lesson for us. Sometimes we don't realize the awesome power of prayer. In chapter 3, Paul's instructions um, set out the qualifications for church leaders or overseers, uh, elders, if you will. But Paul sets out the instructions for them and their wives and families and so on and so forth. And in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, which was last week's lesson that you probably remember, um, Paul talked to Timothy about some will fall away from the faith. And uh, Harold talked about the departed versus the devoted. And... You're all devoted here. Don't be the departed bunch. But as much as we would like to think that everybody that hears the word is automatically going to be a follower, Paul is trying to prepare Timothy and tell him that some will fall away. 
some will be departed from the church. And that brings us here to chapter 5 today in 1 Timothy. And I'd like to read, uh, I'm going to read a few verses in chapter 5, and then we're going to talk about uh, those verses and what they mean. I'm going to be reading about the first eight, eight verses to start with, and my version reads like this, Paul to Timothy. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, and to older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, They must first learn to practice piety in regards to their own family and to make some uh, return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widower, a widow indeed, and we'll pause right there for a second, but the terms that they're using here, a widow indeed, is a, a woman that has lost her husband through whatever means, war or sickness or whatever it might be, but truly is a widow without an income now and probably without certain job opportunities and, and financial support and so on and so forth. So that's what they're talking about here, a widow indeed. Verse 5, Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God, and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well, so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an evildoer. So we'll pause right there for a minute. And what exactly does that mean? And why do we have this this, uh, information in the book of 1 Timothy? Well, once again, Paul loves Timothy. Paul has a lot of people experience in his belt. He knows how to deal with people, read people. And Timothy, being a younger man, doesn't have all of those uh, things to draw on, experience, and so on. So that's one reason Paul is trying to make Timothy successful and to prepare him for what may happen in his ministry. So, some things to think about. So why did Paul think it was so necessary to give such basic instructions to Timothy? Why did he think that? Paul was older than Timothy. Timothy was a younger man less experience, but why would he need to be reminded of these things? Well, when we read those first eight verses, it talks about, do not rebuke an older man, Timothy. Why not? Well, because, you know, the old saying, WWJD, what would Jesus do? What does God teach us about our interaction with brothers and sisters? Don't just bark at an old guy like me if I'm doing something wrong, but yet in respect, 
in love and in the purpose of trying to help me, build me up, and not turn me away or be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't uh, be antagonistic. Jesus would not have been that way. Paul's telling Timothy, don't be that way. You know, in God's word, Jesus taught the value of unity of the family, of the body of Christ, unity, caring for one another, and the responsibility that each one of us has as a Christian. And Paul's laying some of those very responsibilities out right here in front of us. You know, back then, uh, the only social program was family, the church. This is the church just getting started. And, And Paul is trying to tell Timothy about this, about taking care of widows, widows indeed. But he's also saying, you know, if there's a need there, and Jesus preached about this before we're reading here in 1 Timothy, when he talks about if there's anyone in need, take care of them. He told that to the disciples, the apostles. And of course, we should be doing that today. And we try to practice that today. We try to keep up on one another's difficulties and joys and concerns and inabilities and so on. We probably don't do a great job, but we try. And we try to help widows, those in need of one, one reason or another, whatever their needs might be, we try and help them. And you know, over the years, this congregation has helped a lot of individual families and individuals here in the church that had a need. And we still do that. And that's what God would have us do, is to take care of our own, take care of our families, take care of our church family, our individuals that do have those needs in there. Weren't any social programs back then. They didn't have WIC and Medicare and Medicaid and retirement plans and all those kinds of things. So Paul is trying to make sure Timothy is aware that It's our responsibility, especially if they're a member of our family, to take care of these people. Why did he need to be reminded of these things? Well, my guess is that people back then were no different than people today. And when you think about that, yeah, there's a couple thousand years removed, but people are people. Sinners... We're sinners then, we're sinners today. There's not much difference in that. You would think that members of that church back then in Ephesus, as well as members of the church today, would know these instructions, but people are people. And we are not all raised the same. And you know, that's not in this um, teaching in 1 Timothy, but... It's a thought that I had yesterday as I was preparing this. We are all created in the image of God, but you know, we're not all given the same talents. We're not all given the same abilities. Each one of our parents, whether it was a two-parent family, didn't all raise us the same. I was probably raised a little different than some of you, and you were raised differently than I was. Some of you had a little bit of a handicap maybe, and 
Maybe you were orphaned as a kid. Maybe you come from a broken home and you were raised by one parent. But none of us were all raised perfectly. We all weren't instilled with those, uh, those values that Paul is trying to teach Timothy here. Some of us may see a person in need, a widow in need, and might think, well, that's their deal. That's their problem. But that's not God's word. That's not how he wants us to be as Christians. But anyway, um, people are people. We're not all raised the same. We do not all have the same values instilled in us. Our parents did not raise us perfectly. We have, uh, didn't raise us perfectly to have great values, ethics, morals, boundaries, honor, trustworthiness, and so on, did they? Some here had a great set of parents who were raised very well, but some didn't have a great set of parents, and that applies to them back then, too. So, you know, we're not discussing parenting this morning. I don't want to get off on that rabbit trail. But, you know, Paul may have been raised a little bit differently than Timothy. The Bible tells us uh, a little bit about Timothy's parents, but we don't know how he was raised, whether it was Greek or Roman or Jew or just what exactly. But Paul was probably raised a little bit differently than Timothy. But with his experience and background with people, Paul was able to help prepare Timothy for what was coming. And I'm pretty sure that Timothy was probably paying close attention, maybe even making some notes. How many times throughout the Bible do we read where people did really dumb stuff? A lot. You know, one of my favorite examples of that is back in the book of Exodus, when God led his people out of Egypt, and he parted the sea for them, and they saw that, and he saved them from the the army that was trying to catch them and kill them and, and manna come from the sky and water bubbled out of a rock and I mean it just goes on and on and on. The miracles that God was providing for his people and they were okay for a few minutes and then they kind of wandered off on the wrong track. Throughout the Bible we see people doing really dumb stuff. Paul's trying to prepare Timothy that, hey, Timothy, people do really dumb stuff. You need to help them out here. So anyway, as we can see, people are people, then and now. And we all need to remember these instructions as well as others, the instructions in our Bible from the Lord. We always need to be refreshed, if you will. You know, I was thinking about my computer every once in a while. It just doesn't work right. I have to reset it, turn it off, turn it on, refresh it. We're kind of that way in our thought pattern, in our mind. We need to be refreshed often. That's one of the reasons we're all here today. Sundays, we come together to worship the Lord, to sing songs, to hear lessons that might be applied to our own lives. It's refreshing. It builds our faith. It builds our knowledge. And it brings us closer to the Lord. 
Remember this was the beginning of the church. Paul wanted Timothy better prepared to deal with people. So why did Paul give these instructions? Number one, he loved Timothy very much, wanted him to be successful. If you can think about your own children, if you have children, you try and do the very best you can for them. You try to prepare them for life because you want them to be successful. None of us have kids that we think, oh, that one's no good. I'm just going to throw him in the alley. We don't do that. Sometimes we think about it, but we don't do that. Number two, Paul loved the church so much that he wanted to make the church and the experience of church successful. Paul was certainly devoted that way. This whole Bible that you hold in your hands is an instruction manual for us because God loves us and wants us to be successful. If you read your Bible, if you have Bible study, if you come to worship service, if you have a talk with your wife or your husband or the next door neighbor over a cup of coffee or whatever and you're talking about the Bible, that helps us in so many ways. Number four, people are people and we need to have guidance. Me, you, every one of us, from time to time, we need to be guided, we need to be refreshed, reset, and we need to get into the word more often. People need practice, 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 just like an athlete. Repetition, practice, repetition, to be obedient and to be faithful. Now I'd like to read the rest of 1 Timothy chapter 5 <clears throat> because there are some other good instructions in there. And I'll be starting in verse 9 again. A widow is to be put on the list if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation of good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet as if has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. Verse 11. But refuse to put younger widows... On the list. For when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. Verse 13 At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. I'm not sure why Paul wanted Timothy to know that, but obviously he did. Verse 14, Therefore I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened, so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, 
The laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Verse 20. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others, keeping yourself free from sin. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise also, deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. Once again, lots of instructions that Paul has for Timothy here. And sometimes we breeze through some of these uh, scriptures and we think, well, that doesn't apply to me and that doesn't apply to me and I don't know a, a widow. And But there's so much good information in all of this that we could certainly apply to ourselves in our walk through this life. Some key words in all these scriptures that we've been talking about this morning, a couple of key words that I picked out are the word obedience and faith. And they are both such strong, rock-solid words, terms, meanings, obedience and faith. In order to be obedient, we have to know what to be obedient to. And of course, it's God's word. He is our God. He is the one that teaches us and leads us. And if we do not obey his word, we're really missing the boat there. But in order to be obedient, we have to know what to be obedient to. It's all of God's word. We must read, we must learn, understand in order to be able to obey his word. We have to know what it's about, why he has instructed us this way. The word faith, when we read, when we learn, when we obey, we develop faith in him and his word. Amen? Uh, God is faithful, always. From start to finish, the Bible teaches us faith and obedience. The prophet Habakkuk says in Habakkuk 2, 4, Behold, for the proud one... His soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. So to be faithful to God's word is indeed to be righteous. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, 2, Jesus says, And they brought to him the paralytic laying on the bed. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven faith, obedience. In Luke chapter 7, uh, it talks about uh, the woman that was kissing Jesus' feet and washing his feet with her hair. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
The word obedience is used in Romans chapter 5, 19. For through the one man's, the one man's disobedience, that would be Adam, for through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. 1 Peter 1. Since we have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Faith and obedience. This is what it's all about, church. Faith in our God, obedience to our God's word. Reading today in uh, 1 Timothy 5 is a great reminder for us why Paul needs to pass these instructions along to Timothy. You need to pass instructions along to me. I need to to you as well. You know the old term in scripture, iron sharpens iron. And we do need to uphold one another, build one another up, and it makes us all better for that. Timothy 5 uh, is a great reminder why Paul needed to pass these instructions to Timothy. We all need to be refreshed and reminded and stay practiced in growing in our faith and staying obedient to his word. Pray with me, church, if you would. Almighty God, we pray, Father, that you will help us to grow and stay strong in our faith. We thank you so much for giving us your word to rely on and this Bible that we have in our hands to learn from, to understand, because, Father, your word is so very powerful. We thank you so much for that. We pray that we will obey you and stay close to you, Father. You are our only hope of salvation, only you. We pray, Father, that you will continue to lead us in your ways. Help each of us to remind each other and refresh each other of your words of encouragement and instruction. You and only you, Father, are our God, our hope, and our future. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.